Hi, welcome to the Inspired Painter Podcast. My name is Jessica Libor, and I am a Philadelphia-based artist, curator, and art professor, as well as artist coach. In this podcast, I cover topics vital to the success of emerging and established artists, like inspiration, mindset, art business relationships, and artist career strategy. You'll also hear interviews from art world luminaries who share their wisdom. My goal for this podcast is for you to feel encouraged, inspired, and in control of your art career, and to help you become the best artist that you can be. Hello, Samuel. How are you this morning? Hi, Jessica. I'm great. Thank you very much for inviting me today. Oh, yes, it's absolutely a pleasure. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to talk about the Lunar Codex and sending art to the moon. I think it's so inspiring and I'm just so thrilled to be a part of it. And um, I thought that um, people would love to hear about the details of the Lunar Codex and your brilliant inspiration and your capability for doing this and providing such an amazing opportunity for so many artists. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited to talk about it today. But before we dive in, I just wanted to um, introduce you um, and tell the listeners just a little bit about you and a little bit about the Lunar Codex. So for those of you who don't know, the Lunar Codex is a project founded by Dr. Samuel per Peralta and, um, and it archives the works of thousands of contemporary creative artists and one artificial intelligence, which I'll have questions about later, on lunar time capsules launched via partners of NASA's Artemis program to return humankind to the moon. So you've been working with NASA for a while and you have a couple of, a couple of launches coming up um, for different projects. So we have, and we'll, we'll go into those, but it looks like the first one is launching in 2022, so this year. And, um, and, and a little bit about the Lunar Codex, it's an arts and culture project, and it has been called the most expansive international and diverse collection of contemporary culture launched to the moon. Significantly, it is also the first project to launch the works of women artists to the lunar surface. It is also the first project to our knowledge to place film and music on the moon, which is really amazing. And about you, Samuel is a physicist and a storyteller, um, a physics PhD with over 150 published papers, co-founder of six companies. Samuel continues a career in media and high technology as CEO of Incandence, serving on the, the board of public and private firms and mentoring startups as the University of Toronto's iCube Accelerator. Did I say that right? <laughs> it's a, my bio is a whole mouthful. Sorry about yeah. that. Yeah. I, I, just, right. I was a jack of all trades and master of none. <laughs> yeah. And then you also write. So you're a writer and you have written fiction and it has been published in the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Amazon bestseller list, and your poetry has won awards worldwide. And um, so you've won a lot of awards for that. And you've also produced and supported over a hundred independent films, which is wow. Like even the thought of just producing one 
film is like very overwhelming to me. And we can talk about that later, but um, that's amazing. And you've also curated exhibits with 33 Contemporary, Wausau Contemporary of Art and Artsy. Um, you've judged lots of competitions for the Art Renewal Center. And, um, and you're also the founder of the Lunar Codex, which is the, um, a project archiving art, books, music, and film on the moon. And um, yeah, yeah, so when you, exciting. When you, when, you, when you Google me on the uh, on the web, there'll be all these things come out, writer, producer, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And you think, okay, these must be different people, right? But it's, <laughs> except, well, except the baseball player, that's not me. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, you're like Leonardo da Vinci, right? Like just interested in a lot of different things. Um, so, yeah. So the Lunar Codex is, I mean, it's an exciting project. It's just the latest of, of uh, some of the things I've been doing. I tried my hand at, at writing. Uh, well, I did, uh, I was in uh, industry for about a quarter of a century. And then uh, while I was doing that, I did a few startups. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the startups that I uh, founded uh, poet Technologies, and it really is called Poet Technologies, stood for Planar Optoelectronic Technologies, uh, was developing uh, uh, chips that were based on uh, optical switches and, oh. uh, and uh, integrating optical and electronic uh, technology together. So that uh, startup uh, was actually a fairly successful startup. It started in Canada, but it's located in Silicon Valley right now. And uh, it's doing quite well. Mm. Uh, but uh, my work in uh, the energy industry and my work in Poet enabled me to essentially step back from regular nine to five duties and do what I do now, which is basically uh, projects that uh, excite me. Uh, some of the projects that have excited had that have excited me was writing um, short stories, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they've ended up in anthologies that were on the bestseller list on Amazon. So I decided, well, I could do my own anthologies, and I'll invite writers uh, mm -hmm. to to uh, along <clears throat> to do these anthologies with me. So I invited short story writers that I from people that I uh, uh, knew were writers on, on the net. We put together uh, uh, an anthology, the first one. It did well on Amazon, so I did the second, I did the third. And then we had essentially uh, 20 plus uh, volumes of what's called the Future Chronicles anthology series. And that was my first high because when I collected all of those writers into an anthology and I went up the Amazon bestseller list, not only did I go up on the list, but those writers went up on the list with me. Yeah. For many of them, yeah, for many of them, this was the first time that they've ever been published. It was the first time that ever seen themselves on a bestseller list. Mm -hmm. And so I saw that the joy that I had, I could transfer to all of these folks mm. uh, because they were suddenly being paid for a story and they saw themselves on the charts and they would post pictures of themselves uh, having dinners with their family in celebration of the fact that they were now a published writer, they were on the chart. And that seeing other people have that kind of joy mm -hmm. made my own joy at being on the bestseller list just so much more meaningful 
Yeah. If, if you understand that. Yeah, yeah. You're it's like you're stronger together and you're pulling everyone else up with you. That's right. And that that thought has stayed with me mm-hmm. all throughout from that day, which was eight, nine, ten years ago, until today. Mm-hmm. Uh, while I was doing that, I began say I, I began uh, 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 seeing requests for uh, uh, helping to fund student films. Uh, we've got some local universities and colleges here that have film schools, and typically, when you're in a film school, uh, your your graduate project or bef- uh, or the project before you get your certificate or degree is to put together a piece of film a short film, typically 15 to 30 minutes long, that sort of thing. But at that level, most of the work is funded by friends and family, right? So you go to your mom and dad, you go to your uncle, aunt or whatever, and you (laughs) beg each of them for, you know, everyone should give 500 bucks or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I did was I stepped into the milieu of of that could you fund my graduate student film, please? Mm. And uh, and so I started funding these films. And that's where the number over 100 films comes from. They're not Hollywood blockbusters for the most part, mm-hmm. uh, but they are films that are made by students who go on to do big things. And they only need that bit of encouragement to be able to do this. Yeah, wow. But I, what I learned too is that a film, and, and everyone knows this, a film is produced, is composed of dozens and dozens of people, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just the, the, the names of the actors and actresses, there's the director and producer and the staff, cinematographer and the gaffer, then all sorts of uh, people who come together to make a film come true. Even at the student level, it takes, you know, two, three, four dozen people to make this happen. Mm-hmm. And by helping to support that, you're actually doing the same thing that we did with the anthologies. You're bringing, you're, you're, you're helping people uh, make their dream come true. This episode is sponsored by the Luminary Artist Academy. The Luminary Artist Academy is a six-month self-paced transformational course for contemporary realist feminine artists to blossom into the higher level of professional success from the inside out. The Luminary Artist Academy was written for you. As an artist myself who has been through the dark night of my own soul and through the thickets of my own limiting beliefs, in order to come out on the other side, I feel the struggle and I know where you are. I know the desires that you feel and the frustration at feeling like they are out of reach, and I have discovered the keys to unlocking your own potential and totally transforming the reality of your creative practice and your experience as an artist in a very short time after doing it myself. And I wrote the Luminary Artist Academy to share this process with you. So the Luminary Artist Academy is a comprehensive, detailed, step-by-step course that takes you on an odyssey through the inner chambers of your heart and soul to your creative practice and out into the world where you shine your confident feminine light as a luminary in your field. This course supports you every single step of the way to guide you into stepping into your highest version of yourself within your artistic career and your life. Don't let another year go by just thinking about it and without taking action. Being in limbo, saying next time or I'll do it later, is the reason why you feel like you're spinning your wheels and staying stuck. 
By doing the same things in the same way, you'll likely be in the same place you are now, six months from now, if you don't take action. Take the first steps today to believe in a different future for yourself. The gallery shows press celebrating your work and sales pouring in from your art is what you know you are meant for and what you ultimately deserve. Your most aligned artistic career is waiting for you. It's time to believe in yourself and value your dreams. I believe in you. Explore the course via the link in the show notes or at www.thevisionaryartistsalon.com. And, mm-hmm. and again, from yeah. an anthology, you make a dozen people's dreams come true. For, in a film you make, uh, especially with students, you make dozens of people's come, dreams come true. And that moves on to the Luder Codex, which mm-hmm. some people have said is the ultimate anthology. Yeah. It's, it's an anthology of all the art, music, writing, poetry that has uh, accompanied me through the years mm. and by by bringing everyone on board this ultimate interplanetary anthology i'm making a lot of people's dreams come true and that brings an incredible amount of joy to 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 me yes it's like the intergalactic alliance of artists or something <laughs> it is we, we you know i have something called the artists on the moon but that clearly expanded to include arts of all sorts not yeah. just not just art, but uh, books, poetry, music, and film. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's been exciting, to say the least. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So exciting. And I'm, I'm really curious uh, to show, you said you have techno- the samples of the technology. And, um, and for those of you who are just listening, I'll describe it. But, um, but for those of you who are watching, you'll get to see it. Um, so, yeah, would you, would you show us the technology that you're sending to the moon? Sure, I'll do that. Let me let me preface this uh, a little bit though to, to, to set the stage, so to speak. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so well, we're not directly associated with NASA. Mm-hmm. NASA is uh, has a project, the Artemis project, which is going to bring people to the uh, the moon, uh, return humankind to the moon at around 2025, 2026. Mm-hmm. But in order to do that, they've got to send up instruments, scientific instruments. Uh, search for water, plan for landing, uh, mm-hmm. because all the data we have from the moon is 50 years old. We know a lot about the moon, but there's still a lot we don't know. Mm-hmm. And so they're sending that up. Now, NASA has long ago abandoned being one of the primary manufacturers of its own rockets. That's why you have the existence of SpaceX right now, mm-hmm. because NASA said, well, we're not going to, we're not going to build these gigantic rockets anymore. What we're going to do is we're going to um, contract it out. Say, Mm -hmm. uh, is there anybody who wants to do this for us? So there's been a few. The United Launch Alliance or ULA is once. They're they're formed of rocket companies that already existed. SpaceX is another uh, more successful private venture. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so everybody has grown up learning that uh, SpaceX, about SpaceX and the ULA, et cetera. with lunar landers, it's the same thing. 
as it turns out, NASA has decided, well, we're not going to be in the business of building lunar landers anymore. We are going to farm it out to private companies. Mm -hmm. And there are a few of them, uh, less, uh, less than half a dozen of them, but two of the prominent ones are astrobotic technologies and intuitive machines. They're not household names right now like SpaceX, but they will be soon. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So astrobotic and intuitive machines I'm actually are, are actually commercial ventures mm -hmm. to the moon. They're they're like SpaceX. And if you pay SpaceX enough money, you too can put a satellite on the moon. Oh, if, nice. if you can put SpaceX, uh, if you pay SpaceX enough money, you can be an astronaut, right? Put on mm -hmm. the suit and ride on. So the lunar landers are similar to that. They're bringing up NASA instruments and NASA rovers, but they also have a little bit of space there mm -hmm. that people can or institutions more likely can actually pay for mm -hmm. and that's what we've done in the lunar codex the lunar codex has paid for payload space on these commercial lunar landers mm -hmm. that nasa is a customer of so nasa pays them to take their stuff up to the moon mm -hmm. and we've paid for payload space that's about this size mm -hmm. oh wow that's very so, small so it's a tiny tiny bit because it takes a lot of uh, of uh, capital to send something up to the moon. If you want to send a kilogram up uh, uh, to the moon, it's going to be it's going to be very expensive. I might as well go up as an astronaut in SpaceX, right? Wow. Yeah. And for those of you who can't see that, it's about would you say it's about an inch by half an inch square? Kind of something like that. This is not exactly it. I still don't have a sample of the exact. Uh, the uh, box that we're sending, but this is roughly the the, the volume of of, mm -hmm. of what okay. we're what we're looking at. So the the question is, how are you going to do? How are you? What are you going to put in this volume that's going to be significant? Well, mm -hmm. folks are putting a lot of different things in that, right? Uh, but what we've elected to do is we've elected to put art and music and film and all that, and this is how we do it. So I'm going to step you through how we're going to do it. The okay. key is to make it as light as possible and as small as possible to fit in this. Mm -hmm. So obviously we cannot fit paintings in this. We can't fit. Right. Some people have said, well, you're, are you sending your books, magazines, catalogs? How are you doing that? Well, paper is bloody heavy. It's, 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 ex, it's heavy and sending paper to the moon is just expensive and crazy. Plus it's not really archival. Like if you're sending that up, you know, like that's, I imagine. That, that's right. Yeah. So, so what we're doing is the first thing we're going to we're doing is we're miniaturizing uh, the images and books, and this is the first step, if you like. This is this is not the first step to the process, but this is just to help you visualize it. That's a credit card size uh, uh, archive uh, made by one of my partners, and if I bring it up close and I scan it through the light like that, you're going to see little images on that. Unfortunately, the webcam isn't good enough to show yeah, you the yeah. whole thing, mm -hmm. but that is an entire catalog on, on, a, on a card that's this thin mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and uh, this size, mm -hmm. and uh, that's plated with gold and etched so that the images of the catalog are now on, uh, on gold. Mm. Now, this is still too heavy to go on the moon. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that is still too heavy. But it's a terrestrial demo, okay. uh, and it has also been tested in the high seas Mars simulation 
facility in Hawaii. So mm -hmm. we know that this, this card is going to survive Mars. So that's, if you like, a teaser to what may come. Okay, so we're going to Mars next. Exciting. We, we, are, we cannot deny or confirm that. It's just, <laughs> okay. it's just been tested. Okay. This is something that's the size of a quarter. Mm -hmm. Now, this contains about 34, uh, uh, sorry, uh, sorry. The, it, it contains the images of a very slim catalog. Mm -hmm. This is, uh, is a similar technology, but it's done on nickel. Mm -hmm. And that contains, I don't know if you, your viewers can see this, but that contains uh, Isaac Asimov's foundation. It's a novel that's been turned into a series that's streaming right now. And, yes, uh, I watched it. I, I actually loved it. I thought it was such a beautifully shot uh, series. Have you seen it? I have not seen it yet. I subscribe to the other streaming service. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, but eventually we will see it. Mm -hmm. Now that's, uh, that's on nickel. And it, the pages have been reduced even more so that if you look at the pages of the book, the pages of the book are scanned uh, into little images like you saw on the gold. Mm -hmm. And each sentence, the height of each sentence is the size of a bacterium. So that under a microscope, you can actually see it, uh, see see it uh, very clearly, and actually read the read the sentences very clearly. Wow. But that disc is called a nickel nanofish, like a microfish except smaller. And a replica of this, or or the original of this, went in the cherry red Tesla that was launched into space in 2018 by uh, SpaceX. So cool. there's. There's, there's only a few of these in the world and I've got one of them, nice. but that is the technology that we use to, uh, to uh, launch art into, to, to the moon. And actual, did, you, did you invent this technology? I did not. It, okay. the, the, the technology was, uh, was uh, invented by a, a man named Bruce Ha, and Bruce was, uh, was a, a scientist at Kodak. And, uh, oh. and so he invented, for example, things like the picture disc. He invented the uh, holographic, uh, the holographic uh, technology that goes on the anti-counterfeit uh, labels that you see on software. Mm -hmm. For example, if you buy box software. So he's, he's a genius in these things. Although I'm a laser physicist, mm -hmm. my, uh, the work that I did was more like laser scanning of uh, things in a nuclear reactor so it was oh, totally different okay but, but we were both we both spoke the same language right so when i talked to him about it we could just speak for hours and hours on how this mm -hmm. technology worked mm -hmm. and uh the actual size of the the archive that we're going to have on the moon is going to be a bit smaller it's going to be uh about the size of a dime which is what this is mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that's essentially how the technology works. I did invent one thing here uh, mm -hmm. because uh, what, what happens is that for, th for, this, sort of, uh, for this, this sort of archival technology is very useful for, for uh, things like art or books, things that you could reduce into images. Mm -hmm. But if you, think about, if you think about music or you think about film, there's no way to do that. Uh, if you're going to do film, that's 50 frames per second or how many frames per second. And then you, you have, and then it's a 15 hour uh, 
uh, 15-minute movie, even a 15-minute movie has thousands and thousands and thousands of frames in it. And, and right. it's just impossible to put that on that with any type of cost uh, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. uh, that, that's, that's advantageous. So we just put it, we put it on special uh, uh, memory chips that basically hold the movie or the, or the uh, uh, music. Mm -hmm. And that's when, when we talk about music or film, that, that, that goes on to a, a memory card. What I did invent is I invented a way to put music on one of these little things. Oh, you did? I did. Cool. And, and so, 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 that's, uh, so I talked with Bruce about it and he said, my gosh, that's incredibly unique. So in 22, 2022, we're going to put five or six pieces of music as an experiment, if you like, on this. And that's what's and that and so some music is going to be archived that way on the moon. Oh, interesting! That's really cool. You know, it reminds me of um, like back in the day, like at, in the first, you know, when people were experimenting with ways to record music, and they had like the wax canisters, and you had to like um, you had to like uh, uh, you know turn the crank to hear the wax canister like uh, record the music and I don't know, it kind of reminds me of that. That's, that, exactly, that's exactly, it's exactly the same principle. If really? Like. Uh, it is so, so what, what, what the, 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 the aha moment, if you want, was gosh, we can etch the sound waves onto these nickel discs mm -hmm. in exactly the same way that we do on wax phonographs or- Yes, oh, wow. Or, cool. or, or, or vinyl, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you like the technology of vinyl, is there again except for except on these things uh if you think about it a little the technology that we use to do art is very much like lithographs or mm. uh, or yes it is like a lithography technology or a uh, or a line of cut technology where you actually cut the image except we're not cutting the negative of the image we're putting a positive of of the image on the on the nickel right yeah it is um, very exciting yeah, very exciting. I am so like um, amazed to hear this because I thought that all everything was going up on memory chips, but it's really cool to learn that it's actually going to be like displayed and like you can see it with a microscope or like a magnifying glass, um, you know, on these on these little discs. I think that's, that's right. really cool. So I'm having fun imagining like if an alien <laughs> discovers this like treasure trove of culture, then they would need like, um, they would need some magnifying glasses or maybe they would need, um, I don't know, some special instruments, but, but even if they don't have special instruments, maybe their eyesight is like good enough that they could see. Well, the, the, I, I, I just imagine how we did it when we discovered Egyptian hieroglyphics or, mm. or we, we looked at it and they were just, what does that, what the, what does this mean, right? Yeah. And it took a little time, but we finally figured out how to read the hieroglyphics. Right, right. And, and, and there are unknown languages right now that, that people are deciphering. And I imagine the same thing in the future. If, for example, a civilization that discovered it, whether it was human or alien, that did not have the know-how, mm -hmm. uh, that sorry, that didn't have the cultural background to understand it. For example, if 
who went up, whoever survived were people who didn't speak English or French or whatever. Right. It is. Right. How would they figure this out? Well, they'll <laughs> figure it out the same way. Hmm. One thing is that any any civilization that has the technology to reach the moon has got to have the technology to figure out how. Oh, that's a good work, point. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. I, I like that. Um, wow. I love that. And that's, that's so fun to think about too. And that leads me to a question. So the, the time capsules that you're sending up, um, are those going to be up on the moon permanently or is there like a time and place to retrieve them or how does that work? They, they, the, the ones on the, that are going to land on the moon are going to be bolted to the lunar landers themselves. So the lunar landers are the markers, if you will, for, uh, for, for places of cultural significance. It's not just scientific significance, but it's cultural significance as well. Hmm. Uh, there's only going to be one capsule that doesn't actually stay on the moon that's going to be the first one that's not really part of the lunar codex but it's artemis mm -hmm. artemis one is launching in june this year and it's the first it's called artemis one because it's the first of the art, actual artemis uh, project and that is going to send a satellite called orion out on a trajectory to orbit the moon and then come back to earth okay so, so on this uh, on this uh on this uh, uh, satellite, uh, it's, which will likely crash land in the ocean somewhere, is a flash drive that contains uh, the essays of several students mm -hmm. uh, that uh, NASA sponsored. So NASA mm. sponsored an essay, uh, essay contest uh, for students that, that, that go up and come, come back. And it's, it's a, it was a brilliant uh, 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 project by them. I only learned this after the Lunar Codex, but mm -hmm. but uh, among those essays in a flash drive is a poem by myself called Three Faces of the Moon, which will be, if you like, the first of the poems from the Lunar Codex that will be sent up. It won't unfortunately land on the moon, so that poem is archived on another time capsule that will okay. be there permanently. Okay. Yeah. So these, so, so the lunar codex um, will be on the moon permanently. So like, that, when, that is right. Wow. So, so like, so like, I'll be able to tell my grandchildren as we look at the moon, my art is up there. Exactly. It's, oh my goodness. That's so cool. All, all of, all of this will transform the moon <clears throat> for you. When you, when you look up at the moon, it's going to be a little different because you know that there's going to be some part of your heart, yeah. some part of your soul that's embedded on the moon. Oh, it is, so it is amazing. The, uh, if, if it turns out, because not all of the art is going to be on the, on, on the nickel, uh, I, I expect, simply because there's there of the time deadlines and things like that. If you've got your things in early and I send them over to the etching facility early enough, we're going to we're going to get there. But I'm backing everything up on memory cards anyways. So yeah. no matter what, it will be accessible. But uh, but the 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 nickel archives are in theory going to last for hundreds of thousands of years so really? they are they are they are sturdy they are they are, the gold has mm -hmm. been tested under volcanic uh has been tested under volcanic conditions so the conditions of mars for example are much much worse than mm -hmm. they are on the moon 
Yeah. And that, that technology has been shown to, uh, to, to last for ages and ages. So, wow. Wait, but that doesn't make sense to me because doesn't gold melt? The, uh, uh, it depends on where, where the gold is. If you, if you, if you put it in the, uh, if you, if, if you immerse it in the, uh, in the, the right temperature, then yes, it will melt, but it doesn't reach that temperature the way that it's going to be stored. Oh, okay. Okay. And I'm sure that there's other things that are like, that like seal, it's not like pure it's, gold. There's other things. There's, there's more things that you've got to do, like these memory cards, for example, they are going to be shielded by nickel. They're not, okay. you're not we're just not sending the memory cards just like that. There's a few technical specifications that you've got to, that mm -hmm. to do in order to shield them from radiation, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, et cetera. Okay. So we're we're right. just glossing over, over those details. Yeah. Wow. You are such a unique person with so many unique skills that, you know, is really such a perfect person to pull this all together because you have like the technical know-how, but then you also have the passion for the arts and like the experience in technology. And it's, it's very interesting. That's, that's so yeah. cool. I, I should point out that other people have done similar things in the past, but it took, it took uh, a whole lot of capital to do it. And uh, they sent things up like Shakespeare mm. and, uh, and uh, Leonardo da Vinci, the classics, right? I think what's unique about this project is uh, number one, it takes a slice of life, a true time capsule of this time period. It's, a, it's all about contemporary artists that are living in the last few decades and, and especially focused on the last few years. Mm -hmm. And so this is vibrant art of this society we have today. Mm -hmm. uh, Shakespeare has his place. Michelangelo has his place as, if you like, representative of, of the pinnacle mm -hmm. of artistic achievement that the human race can uh, can reach. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, but we also have artists who are ordinary people like yourself and myself, who basically strive for their own <coughs> personal perfection. Mm -hmm. And these should be represented too. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the ways that we're different. Uh, the other way that we're different is that uh, is that uh, so 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 as an example, the uh, the art that was sent to the moon before was on a ceramic chip, and there were like six uh, etchings on it, and they were done by uh, by such artists as Picasso and yeah. Rosenberg and and people whose names any art student would know, mm -hmm. and that's a very exclusive uh, group. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the same thing for any libraries that were sent on the moon that, that, that are actually things like the texts of the Quran and the Bible and world history. They're very important parts of civilization that says here we were as a civilization. Mm. What the Lunar Codex does is it's a true time capsule. It says this is how we were during this time in the 20th century and we're sending it up. Hmm. That's that's what's important. As well, we represent 95 countries all around the world. Wow. Uh, the that that means there's a first <clears throat> in 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 all of these countries uh, that 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 has made them, if you like, uh, very important for the country as a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, there's uh, the Gorgi Women's Choir in Georgia. And uh, they were actually the, the 
uh, a few several years ago, they were sent on that golden disc. Do you remember the golden disc? Yes, yes, I'd heard about that. That was sent out in space and continues flying out into the universe. Well, as it turned, well, what has happened through is, is through a series of connections. We've got the modern day Gorgi Women's Choir in the Lunar Codex as well. Oh, nice. So it's an amazing uh, thing to be able to link back to the earliest days of the space program all the way in, until now with a women's choir, mm -hmm. uh, all women. Uh, uh, if you like, another of the themes of the Lunar Codex uh, is, is representation uh, for, for all sorts of genders, all sorts of nationalities, mm -hmm. without regard for, you know, for, for race or color or age or things like that, just as long as you are curated in. I think that is our one thing. You can't just be an amateur. You have to have reached a certain level of artistic achievement. Yeah. If you've gone in, if you've gone into an exhibit, if you've been uh, in an anthology, if you've been uh, vetted by by a film school, you know, it, it, and then the bar isn't very high. For example, if the film school said, yes, this is good enough for your graduate thesis, Right. Boom, you're in, right? Mm -hmm. uh, as long as you're curated in, then you know that, uh, that it, as long as someone has curated you somewhere, mm -hmm. you know that you're, you, you have a certain stature to be able to, to be in this. Mm -hmm. and, and that's all. That's the only criterion you, we have, that you be curated in. You don't pay to get in, yeah. unlike some other projects where if you've got the money, you can be an astronaut necessarily or you can send <laughs> payload to space right. you've got to be curated in that makes the lunar codex uh, uh, uh have another layer of uniqueness yeah yeah oh definitely yeah i i love all that so so amazing so interesting and um and i know that so i think i have four pieces that are going up in in the lunar codex now Through um, the new pre-raphaelites i believe yes. Yeah, so it's the um, the new pre-Raphaelites, both exhibitions of that for Era Contemporary are going up. And um, and yeah, and then um, I'll be curating another show this summer called um, The Legends of the Moon. And that will also go up to the Lunar Codex, the people who are um, included in that and curated in that. So I just started getting some of the first uh, submissions for that. So it's very exciting to see. Gosh, I, I didn't realize you've already launched that. We, yeah. we talked yeah. about that and I was excited about it, yeah. but I didn't know exactly when that would launch. So yeah, so it's well, it's, um, yeah, I've just, I've just put the word out um, a little bit and, uh, and yeah, starting to see some response. So, um, and that anybody can submit to it doesn't mean that anybody will get in, but <clears throat> if you're an artist and you're interested in, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, this project, you definitely, um, you've got to try definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, because um, it's, it's such a unique and spectacular project. And um, one of the things that I really love, too, is that um, this is the first project to put women, female visual artists on the moon, right? That's, that is correct. We didn't, we didn't start out doing that way. What we, what we started out was just uh, collecting art that we loved so to speak mm -hmm. and, and it just so happened that there were there were a lot of women on 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 them and then someone said wait wait 
you know that every piece of art that's gone before us from the museum on the moon with, with uh, to the fallen astronaut have been done by men and i yeah. said really yeah and, and we and i looked back at the history and i said my gosh that is very true this yeah. the, we are the first to be sending to be you know sending women up intentionally yeah. right yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, so amazing. So I'm so happy to be a part of that history. It's really exciting. We, we've got some very interesting artists uh, on as well with, with regard, we, you know, we, we, we've accepted artists with, without regard to disability, for example, we have, a, we have an artist who paints with her eyes. And I was very surprised to find that out. She uses an eye tracker software uh, oh. to, to actually paint things. And she appeared in one of the catalogs uh, from Poets Artists uh, that I put up. And it, so she was curated into that exhibit, uh, again, without knowing that she was actually a disabled artist. So she had made it, if you like. And now to be going to the to the moon, it's uh, it's it's amazing to see that 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 she's made it this far. And yeah. who knows among the uh, the uh, now about twenty thousand other artists, uh, there's so many that that uh, the the disabled uh, will be definitely uh, represented. Uh, all sorts of genders will be represented. All sorts. It's it's just amazing to 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 think of. Yeah, that's so amazing. I mean, thank you so much for your, you know, your inspiration and your uh, willingness to put this all together. Um, so I have, um, I have a question about the future. So what do you, what are you excited about for the future with Lunar Codex or um, some of, what are some of your dreams for the future that you would like to accomplish? Gosh, uh, the Lunar Codex does have an, have an, and best by end date, so to speak, because uh, once uh, once they start the, uh, the commercial program in earnest, and I've got three three uh, launches right now, it's going to be very common, if you like, for for commercial uh, payloads to space. So the cost is going to drop down. Mm -hmm. So it'll be good to see the the cost of. Uh, uh, mailing things to the moon, so to speak, uh, drop so that uh, more people are, 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 are able to do that, mm -hmm. that we, we will be seeing that actually, I would think sooner than you think. Hmm. Uh, but I would love, I would love to, to see uh, a trip to Mars, take mm -hmm. on a cultural uh, project as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Elon Musk has been talking about uh, putting mankind on Mars and so on and so forth. It would be interesting to see if there were the appetite to have a cultural project mm -hmm. ride sharing with that mission. Mm -hmm. that, that would be great. And we're, uh, we're, we're prepared. Like I said, we've been tested. So we're, we're ready for that. Just okay. Um, that would be exciting to do. But after the Lunar Codex, uh, it would be great to see uh, how this has affected the lives of people around the globe. I'm already seeing it right now, but it would be great to continue to trace that. Mm -hmm. And then I move on to the next challenge, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the things I've been toying about with is becoming an artist myself. Oh, yes, yes. I've, I've been a longtime collector with my wife of, of, of art. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, obviously we're sending uh, images of our collection up in the Lunar Codex, mm -hmm. but uh, I've 
never really tried to become a painter or a sculptor yet. Uh, and my, I was talking to my dad uh, on FaceTime the other day, and my dad is a playwright. Uh, and my mom is an artist and a lot of the love I have for the arts uh, originates with them. And I told my dad, well, you know, I've never, never really been successful at uh, the visual arts myself. I've done music, writing, et cetera, et cetera. And my dad said, well, did you seriously try? Mm. And that stuck with me. I thought, did I seriously try? Wow. So you yeah. never know. Maybe yeah. I'm a new no. Raphaelite painter one day. Yeah, definitely. Oh my goodness, I love it. Um, wow. I yeah, I'm I'm so excited to see where this goes and um, to see where the projects that you create go, and also for the Legends of the Moon, the um, the the project that I'm curating. Um, uh, I think we're going to have a really amazing space because we're going to have a physical exhibition as well. So that'll be a nice. For, for everyone on earth here to celebrate it. Um, and I'll definitely invite you. Where are you based out of? I'm in Toronto. Oh, I, okay. Uh, so, <laughs> <A little> far. <laughs> I'm, so, so I'm in Canada, but you know, it, it's, it's always lovely to see the uh, photos from the exhibit or videos from the exhibit. So it, right. it, it, is, it is wonderful to see that. Yeah. Just the fact that, uh, that people are doing this and, and there's a background of the Lunar Codex uh, in there is, mm -hmm. is just thrilling. Mm -hmm. we've, I should mention that we've got, uh, that the Lunar Codex has also got uh, a poetry uh, mm -hmm. uh, project uh, called the Polaris Trilogy, mm -hmm. which is being run by, uh, uh, by Brick Street Poetry. And the uh, deadlines for it have been extended to May the 30th. There are going oh. to be three volumes Okay. Uh, three volumes, and they're themed. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's geared to try to get as many people from different countries as possible. So, so each volume will, will is centered around a theme, mm -hmm. and uh, is center is focused on folks who come from a certain area of the world. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to fill in the gaps because there are 180 something countries and territories in the world. We've got half of them. And it would be great to be able to get get more people as well involved yeah. in this to make it a more truly global project. So May 30th. And where can people, people yes. find out more about it? Uh, Brick Street Poetry is uh, what you Google and you will find it on their website. Okay. I have no editorial duties. Okay. I'm just saying that the volumes will go on the Lunar Codex. So the, uh, the editors themselves are the ones making the decisions. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. One of them is a... Uh, uh, was the inaugural uh, poet laureate of Indiana, and the other editors are uh, uh, luminaries at their own uh, universities. They're professors at their universities, so they've got some serious editorial firepower there. That's awesome, and I I, I love that you use the word luminary. I don't know if you know this, but I have a I have a I developed this course for artists. It's called the Luminary Artist Academy. Oh, and, that's very cool. <laughs> yeah, and because I love the word and everything that it kind of encompasses, it reminds me of the night sky. It also reminds me like the heavenly bodies. It also reminds me of like artists and poets and being a luminary, you know, in your field. And mm -hmm. I, I love that you just used that organically in the sentence. So yeah, <laughs> oh, poets, we use. Uh, 
we use unique words in our vocabulary. Yes, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Samuel, for your time today and for uh, sharing so much about the process and the technology and the inspiration behind the Lunar Codex. And um, I just really appreciate your time. And for those artists interested, you can, um, I'm gonna put the, the link in the show notes if you wanted to submit to the Legends of the Moon. Um, I would love to see your work and I'm sure Samuel would as well. He will eventually see it. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't curate anything there. Jessica, right. no. Jessica right. and her and her friends are, are the curators on that. Right, but you will eventually see it. Yes. So, yes. Um, cool, well, thank you so much, Samuel. And um, I'll put all the links in the show notes and um, we'll be looking forward to um, the future and seeing seeing what you do. The first launches are this year. Looking forward awesome. to it. Yes. Thank you very much for inviting me, Jessica. It's been great. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much for listening to the Inspired Painter podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate you leaving a five-star review with your experience. This helps other people discover the podcast who might be encouraged by it as well. And if you are interested in booking a coaching call with me to create a plan for your art career and overcome limits that may be holding you back, please visit the link in the show notes or send me a DM on Instagram at Jessica Libor Studio. I can't wait to hear from you. Until next time, stay inspired.